Hey guys, I have a podcast that I think you'll really enjoy. Proof, the investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here is releasing its highly anticipated second season where they investigate the murder of 18-year-old Renee Ramos. The first season, which if you haven't listened to yet, you totally should, saw the release of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend, Brian Bowling. And thanks to evidence unearthed by proof, on December 8th, 2022, both Daryl Lee Clark and Kane Joshua Story were finally freed after 25 years behind bars. With that same investigative drive, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, and this time, they are on the streets of Manteca, California, to find out who really killed Renee Ramos. In proof, murder at the warehouse, you hear how, on June 5th, 2000, Renee's body was found buried beneath a pile of debris inside a new Home Depot building. And how, despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, her boyfriend, 18-year-old Jake Silva, and 33-year-old Ty Lopez were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. There were two more murders 15 miles when away. When arrived, they found the telephone and electricity lines. The weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Morning. Murder. Dating shows have been popular for decades. Audiences love to watch two strangers meet and fall in love from the comfort of their living rooms. On September 13, 1978, a man appeared on the popular dating show at the time, The Dating Game. What the audience and the poor girl who picked this bachelor didn't know was that this attractive man was in the midst of a murder spree. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Rodney Alcala, from the early age of 17, after having a nervous breakdown and going AWOL from the army, was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder. This diagnosis would, during his trial, be expanded upon to include narcissistic personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, and malignant narcissistic personality disorder with psychopathy and sexual sadism. With all of this in mind, the story of the dating game killer unfolds as such. After his discharge from the Army, Rodney graduated from the UCLA School of Fine Arts and went on to study under Roman Polanski at NYU. It was in 1968 when he was in his mid-twenties when Rodney Alcala committed his first known crime. He was caught trying to lure eight-year-old Tally Shapiro into his apartment. When they found the girl, she was alive but had been raped and beaten with a steel bar. Alcala was already gone. He changed his name to John Berger and, in 1971, 
even worked as a counselor at a New Hampshire arts camp for children. That same year, flight attendant Cornelia Crilly was found raped and strangled in her Manhattan apartment. While we now know that this was another victim of Rodney's, her case remained unsolved until 2011. The FBI added Rodney to their 10 most wanted list in an attempt to locate him and charge him for the attack against Tally Shapiro. A few months after his addition to the list, two of his campers noticed his photo on the FBI poster in the post office. Thanks to them, he was arrested and extradited back to California to stand trial. Unfortunately, Tali's parents had since relocated and refused to allow their daughter to testify and relive her attack. Without her as a witness, Rodney Alcala was only charged with assault and was paroled after just 17 months in 1974. Less than two months later, he was rearrested for assaulting a 13-year-old girl and was paroled yet again after only two years. Despite being on parole in 1977, he was permitted to travel to New York, where cold case investigators believed that during his visit, he killed Ellen Jane Hover, heiress to a Hollywood nightclub. As his victim count started to rise, his MO took shape. He was known to toy with his victims by strangling them, letting them lose consciousness, waiting until they came to, and repeating until he decided to kill them. Around 1978, he added another element to his crimes. He convinced hundreds of men and women that he was a professional fashion photographer. He would then, with their permission, take photos, most sexual, for his portfolio. Most of these photos have never had their subjects identified, and many believe that they can be connected to numerous other cold case victims. Because, in 1979, While photographing 15-year-old Monique Hoyt, he knocked her unconscious and raped her. During all of this, he somehow found time to go on a popular dating show, The Dating Game, which would end up giving him his nickname. During this episode, which aired on September 13, 1978, he won a date with Cheryl Bradshaw, who refused to go on a date with him because she, rightfully so, found him creepy. Criminal profilers believe that this refusal became an exasperating factor and Alcala went on to kill at least three more women after this appearance. On June 20th, 1979, a 12-year-old Robin Samso disappeared before her ballet class in Huntington Beach. Her friends told a story of a stranger approaching the, the girl and asking her to take photos. Twelve days later, her decomposing body was found. A sketch was released and Rodney Alcala's parole officer immediately recognized him and called the police. While searching his apartment, they found a receipt for a storage locker in Seattle. Upon searching it, they found a pair of Robin's earrings. He was arrested in late 1979 and in 1980 was tried, convicted, and sentenced to death for the murder of Robin Samso. The verdict was then overturned by California Supreme Court, because jurors had been improperly informed of his prior sex crimes. He was tried again in 1986 with identical results, and, once again, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals panel nullified this conviction. It was while they were preparing for his third trial in 2003 when, under a new law, Alcala's DNA was sampled, 
and matched to the semen left at a rape murder scene of two women in Los Angeles. He was connected to another cold case in 2004 and led to his indictment for four additional women. In 2010, Rodney Alcala stood trial for not just the murder of Robin Samso, but an additional four victims. He acted as his own attorney and would question himself on the stand. For five hours, he would address himself as Mr. Alcala in a deeper voice, ask his questions, and then answer in his normal voice. It was like a circus in the courtroom. He, of course, asserted his innocence, but two days later was convicted of all five accounts of first-degree murder. During the sentencing phase, Tali Shapiro came forward to testify about being his first victim when she was just eight years old. He was sentenced to death a third time. But this is not where his story ends, because in 2010, New York and Huntington Beach police released 120 of his photos from his portfolio in hopes to identify its subjects. 900 photos could not be made public because they were too sexually explicit. In just a few weeks, approximately 21 women came forward, and at least six families said they recognized loved ones who disappeared and were never found. In 2013, a family member recognized Christine Thornton, whose body had been found in the 80s. She was six months pregnant at the time of her death. He was also charged in 2011 with the murder of Cornelia Crilly and Ellen Hoover. He pleaded guilty and was sentenced to 25 more years. He is a person of interest in a number of unsolved murders. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on September 14th. Don't forget to write and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember... Stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again, and have a wonderful day.